Wow. Man, if I could sing like that, I'd be on the street corners of Tampa singing Christmas carols. I really would, but I can't sing like that, so people would be running away from me, trust me. In fact, my singing is so bad, people say, why doesn't your wife stand with you during worship? Because when I worship and sing out loud, I throw her off so bad she can't handle it. She just says, I can't be next to you in worship because your voice, she's told me that, so, and I understand, I understand. Uh, welcome all of our campuses and those watching online. Good to have you all with us. I'm always excited about Christmas, but I wasn't at one time. I, I didn't really know. When you sing, Oh, Holy Night, Christ Was Born, now I see it as this amazingly powerful song that God invades earth. God had a rescue plan to come to earth. I didn't understand all that. In fact, my, my growing up was not knowing anything about Christmas or the meaning of Christmas had no clue. I didn't really care. I, me, Christmas is about Christmas presents. When I was little and when I was older, it was about partying, you know, and I, and I, I remember I, I, we didn't have, I had no memories of Christmas uh, services, candlelight services and baby Jesus. For me, it was like, what's under the tree? Let's get some presents going, right? I mean, everyone done that worst gift, best gift thing, you know? And in fact, I, I tell you, one of the worst gifts, you, we got one early this year. Did you guys get the one, that lump of coal the Buccaneers gave us last weekend? That was terrible. Hopefully it'll do better, right? I'm a big Buck fan. But I had a worst and best gift uh, story for you. And actually, it, it was the same gift. I was about 10 years old. And, uh, you know, I wanted a BB gun for Christmas, and sure enough, my parents came through. I mean, Santa came through, and I got that BB gun. And, and I couldn't wait. I was getting ready to go shoot it, and my older brother, Wayne, said, hey, let's go shoot your gun. I said, man, my older brother wanted to hang with me. And so we went out to the park, which is right behind our backyard, and he grabbed the gun. He goes, start running. <laughs> Literally, bam, 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 rapid fire, hitting me in the back with the BB gun. Worst gift and best gift. You go, your brother really did that? Go ask him. He, he's at our South Tampa campus now. He is. He's, thank God, he's repented. He's given his life to Christ. He's saved. Jesus is a Savior, and he's forgiven him of all his sins. I haven't forgiven him yet, but God has. I'm still in therapy. I'm doing better, though. Um, but really, I, I, I had no idea or understanding of Christmas, and I think the Christmas story, I wanna, I wanna hopefully, uh, there's nine verses there that can really relate to many of us in our lives. You would think, how would something that happened 2,000 years ago, one of the greatest events in history, how does that relate to me today? Well, I, I know this, when I think about the Christmas story in Luke 2, verses eight through 16, which we'll read in a minute, the first thing I think is, man, God wanted to make it personal. Think about it. The story is about God comes to earth in human form. God had a message he wanted to send. He wanted to send his love and a message, but aren't you glad God cared more than just doing a big Zoom call? Can you see God just doing a Zoom call? Hey, y'all down there, love you, but straighten up. No, he didn't Zoom call us. He didn't FaceTime us. It was personal. He wanted to make it personal. There's one thing you understand, the Christmas story is about personal relationships. That's what God cares about. I, I think about Emmanuel, which means literally God with us. 
And if God is with us, how many of you know that God is for us and he's for you? And I think about, he's not just the man upstairs, this mystical presence. He's real. He he, he he's, wants a relationship with us. And so as we read this couple of scriptures, we're going to start with, why would God make his first important announcement to a group of shepherds? We're going to answer that in a minute, but let's read in Luke 8, Luke 2, verse 8. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Think about it. These are shepherds, another night watching sheep. They got the night shift. And all of a sudden, this one angel, then army of angels show up. I mean, this is a supernatural event happening. It says they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born in Bethlehem in the city of David. So why shepherds? You know why he started with shepherds? He just said, you know what? God is, is, is for the ordinary, that, that shepherds were people, actually shepherds, because of their occupation by Jewish law, were considered unclean and not allowed to enter the temple. So they weren't even religious people, that they, they just, they, they've never had that opportunity. And I think of when, when Jesus, uh, when the angel said, don't be terrified, and, and, and you would be terrified, all of a sudden the presence of God shows up and they're scared. They're uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but I remember my first time going to church. Some of you know the story I'll get into in a moment, uh, but this girl invited me to church, never been, first 19 years of my life. I walk in, they start singing, and, and it was just something there. It was, it was powerful, but I was afraid, and I was uncomfortable. I didn't know what to do with the presence of God. I didn't know because I didn't know how God felt about me. And so I was I was uncomfortable just like these shepherds were. And I think about the, the, the shepherds, and then I read, the, and a little later it says, but the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy to all people. Now think about all people. Now we're gonna get deep for a moment, okay? Hang in there. All people, you know what that means? All people. Everyone. Now when I think about all people, I can give you a list of the types of people this good news is for. Good news for all people is for the good. It's for the good people, the bad, and the other. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Like that Western Clint Eastwood movie, right? The good, the bad. The, anyway, I, I like that movie. Anyway, he, and he's for the backslider. All people is the unworthy, the atheist, the unholy. For all people, the good news is even for those who aren't even interested. You're not even interested maybe here today. You came because someone begged you to come, or you heard about, uh, you know, at least at the Van Dyke campus or the uh, Lutz campus, free jambalaya after the service. But, but there are those who are uninterested. I was one of those. I wasn't looking for God when I came to church. I was looking for a girlfriend. That's what I was looking for. You know, my story, some of you know, the wise men, they followed a star and found Jesus. I followed a sizzling star. That's what I found. And so, shepherds, I love that, for all people. Come on, everyone say, good news is for all people. Say all people. Every, yes, for all of us. That's good news. Because some of us don't feel worthy. We don't feel qualified. We don't feel we deserve it. But it's for all people, and that's good news. 
Then I think about the second part, and I put down here in your notes, why a baby? Why did Jesus come as a baby? He could have come any way God wanted. He could have come as a full-grown man, full of power and might, looking like a king or a warrior or a prince. But no, he came in the form of a little baby. You think about that. And I'll read that verse again to you. In verse 12, it says, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So there's this big message going to the shepherds, and here's a sign. You're going to go, and you're going to find this little baby. So why a baby? I started thinking about that. You know why God came as a baby? Because babies are approachable. No one's threatened by a baby. There's something about a baby. We're not afraid of a baby. And God knew he had to come in human form. And he started out as a little baby. No one's afraid of a baby. You might be afraid of a four-year-old. That can get intense sometimes. Or how about a 14-year-old teenager, but a baby? See, God, think about this. He, he, he became flesh. I mean, I, I, I can't, my finite mind, deity and humanity in one person. Why would God do that? He answers that in Hebrews 4. It's talking about Jesus. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, you know, God understands your weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Because of that, he says, let us then approach God's throne of grace. It's not a throne of judgment. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why should we have confidence? He knows you. He understands you. Even when you struggle, even when you fail, we don't need to hide from God. We need to run to God. It says we, we, we go to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't that a good promise that we can run to his throne of grace when we need? Anybody need mercy and grace in your life? I know I do. And, and this is part of who he is. That's why he came in flesh. He understands our pain, our sorrow, our grief, our rejection. He understands being betrayed. He understands joy and celebration. But he feels everything you felt. He, know what it, he knows what it feels like. He's been through that in human flesh. The king of the universe, the creator of everything, yet God was with us. I, I just to me, it, it, it's so personal. Don't make him impersonal. He wants to be personal to you in your life. He grew up in a family. God chose to do it that way on purpose. Jesus was a baby. He grew up with a mom and a dad. Can you imagine being the mother of Jesus? I mean, he never sinned, but he was still a two-year-old, right? I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, this is this is God in the flesh. He grew up with brothers, we know, and a family, and and we know that in the in his ministry, he picked twelve guys, and he spent three years with them in relationship, 
just in close relationship. See, God doesn't want us just to know him from afar. God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And you see, it's not about ritual and religion, about some mystical presence out there that uh, maybe, no, he's real. He's relatable. He's approachable. And he wants to walk with us and be with us and live with us every day. That's God's desire. And I think about well, that's why he came as a baby. Then you think about this one, why a manger? So the shepherds go, let's keep reading the story, and, and they, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. I mean, they had this supernatural event. They had this announcement from the angels, and they said, you know what? We heard it, now we need to see it. And they went a little further, and that's my prayer on every campus, that we hear the message, but we would go a little further with it, not just knowing it and head knowledge of Jesus, but going and really finding out who he is. Did you know that the religious rulers in Jerusalem knew he'd be born in Bethlehem and none of them came to see the birth of Jesus? See, it's not just about knowing in your head, it's about personally encountering him. And it says that, they, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was a baby lying in a manger. How many know God does everything on purpose? There's a reason why he was born in a stable. God is trying to send a message to all of us, a stable. There is no room. We've all seen the little play. There was no room for him in the end. I mean, there wasn't a Four Seasons. I mean, you would think of Four Seasons, right? He's the king. He's royalty. He's God's son. I mean, that's the least he should do is put him in the Four Seasons. He doesn't even get the Four Seasons. He doesn't even get the Motel 6. Okay, I mean, he's in a stable, a, a, a place where animals are kept. That's where Jesus is born, and that's where the shepherds find Jesus. Why? What is the symbolism of that? Well, a stable is a messy place. We know that. It's, it's got a lot of manure probably around, a lot of cow dung or sheep dung, whatever. Because I, I really believe the message is this, that, that, that the shepherds found Jesus in the, in the stables of life, in the messiness of life. And I wrote in my notes, rarely do we find God in the good times, but in the manure of life, in the messiness of life. We find them when things are difficult, when there's difficult times possibly in your marriage or your finances or your health or maybe a broken relationship or addiction or tragedy. That's a lot of times where people first find God. And we never find God, at least. I don't know anybody who hit the lotto and won $10 million and said, I need God. It's during difficult moments. And I know for myself, when this girl Debbie invited me to church and eventually I accepted the Lord into my life, Jesus, and, 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 and so about for three months we're dating and I'm thinking this is gonna have a fairy tale ending that this girl who led me to the Lord, we're gonna get married and live happily ever after and it didn't work like that because three months later she goes, you're not the one for me. It's not funny, that person just laughed about it. It still hurts. But, but, but really, uh, and, and, and when it happened, I, I tell you, I was angry. I was confused. I didn't quite understand this curveball that hit my life. Anybody have a curveball hit your life lately? 
And I questioned God, but you know what I did? I, I dug a little deeper and I, and, I, and I said, God, if you're real, if you're Emmanuel, I need you to be with me. And, and you know what I discovered? That he's more than a savior. He's my peace and my strength and my comforter and my friend and my foundation and my refuge. And I realized that my hope and faith needed to be in my relationship with him more than anything else. Now, the good news of the story, most of you know, came full circle. We ended up getting married. Yay, it ended well. But in the middle of it, it was hard. And some of us are in the middle of it right now. You're angry. You're disappointed. Even as a believer, you're confused. You don't know. Certain things just don't seem to be working out right. And it causes us sometimes to question him. But I pray that you'll discover what I discovered that he can be more than a savior to you. He can be your friend. He can be your source of strength, your source of peace. He can be your comfort. He can show you what the most important thing is and it's a relationship with him more than anything else. And no matter what you go through, he will be with you and he will never forsake you or leave you. Listen, that's the part that we need to hold on to. That's what my prayer is, that when we see the manger scene, we realize the messiness and the manure of life is actually an opportunity to find Jesus or find that Jesus even is more than a savior. But for some, it starts out just knowing him as a savior. Then we hear one last thing that the angel tells us in that verse. He says, I bring good news. It will bring great joy. You think, why? Why is it? Why is it good news? What is the saying good news? Why would it be good news? Well, the good news literally means the gospel. But why was it good news? Because, and we'll talk about this for a moment, we don't have to pay for our sins. Folks, that's the best deal given to mankind. We don't have to pay for my shortcomings, my weaknesses, my failures. That's the good news. We, we, that God gives us what we really needed. You know, the number one need we have, we may not believe this, but our number one need is forgiveness. If God thought it was education, he would have sent us a teacher. If we thought it was finances, he would send you a financial advisor. But God sent a savior because he knows, number one, that's what we need. We need a savior. I relate it this way. Maybe you have a friend this could be a true story for some of you that owes you maybe a lot of money. You gave them some money in good faith that they were gonna pay you back, whether it was 10,000 or 5,000 or 100,000, whatever that number amount was, or, or 500, whatever it is. And, and you went to call them to get the, you know, hey, when are you gonna pay me back? And you notice every time you called, they wouldn't answer the phone. And then all of a sudden you would try to find where they're at and they kept avoiding you and avoiding you. Before long, you realize they're ghosting you and you realize, oh man, this, I, I thought we had a relationship, but apparently we don't. And that person avoids you. Now the relationship is broken. Why? Because they owe you something. You, they have a debt to you. And so they don't know what to do. So they avoid you. I think that deep down is where many of us may be with God. You know, that we, deep down we know we've gone our own way. We lived our own life. Oh, maybe you give them lip service. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you do your own thing. And we know we have this debt. And because we have this debt, we're not sure what God thinks about us. We don't have a relationship. So the first thing Jesus does to fix the relationship is help us understand that he wants to forgive us of our sins. 
The only way that relationship can be restored is for that person to go to that person who's been ghosting them and saying, hey, you know what? That $10,000 you owe me, forget it. I forgive it. The debt is paid. And now there's a possibility for a relationship to happen again. You know, that's what Jesus did for us. That's the gift of Jesus. What we couldn't do on our own, we can't earn our salvation. We can't be good enough for God. The good news of Jesus and the gift is that when he died on that cross, he paid our debt. He said his last words were, it is finished. He was talking about the debt has been paid, that they don't owe anything anymore. All they need to do is receive the free gift of forgiveness, which begins the relationship that he wants to have with us. And so if you're here today and maybe you're willing to admit I've gone my own way, you're almost there. The only problem is about a gift. When you give someone a gift, they must admit that they need the gift. You know, and, and Jesus offers us this gift of forgiveness. He offers us him as savior, but it's a choice that you have to make. I can't make that choice for you, but you need to choose. And you know, the only people I know that don't receive that kind of gift are those that maybe have pride in their lives. Like, you know what? I don't need the gift. I'm good on my own. I didn't ask Jesus to do that for me. I'm good. I, I, I'm, I don't need him paying for my sins. I'm doing pretty good on my own. The Bible says that God resists the proud. You want to be close to God? You can't be proud. You got to be humble. You got to resist the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. Anybody need grace in their life? You know what grace is? Undeserved favor. Grace is, you know what? Not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done, I'm going to forgive you. We, we, we are saved by the grace of God, which is a gift of God. So I just would like to ask a question. And, and my prayer is that you would have what I experienced many years ago. I came to that place where I knew that Jesus, who was Savior, could only help those who admit that they're sinners. And I came to that place in my life. You know, I wasn't some ax murderer, but I knew. I had done wrong. I had lived my own life. And I came to that place where I said, if you are Savior and Son of God, and you did do what you say you did on that cross, I need saving. And I remember that very first basic step I made in my life to ask Jesus to be my Savior. And yeah, it took some humility. I had to humble myself. I had to admit, you know what? I don't have everything going on, and I'm not as smart as I think I am, and, and I do need help. God, I need your help in my life. And that's what I did. I humbled myself, and God's grace came over me, and that's what I hope you would experience today. That's my Christmas, the greatest Christmas gift you could ever give God is to say, here I am. I accept your gift, Jesus. Give me a new life, a new start. God, I know I can't earn it, but I ask you right now to save me by your grace, by what you did. So I want to pray on every campus. Everyone bow your heads just for a moment. And you can pray it out loud or you can pray it under your breath. doesn't matter. I want to pray for you. And for some, this is the very first time that you are accepting Jesus as Savior of your life. You're realizing, wow, I do need a Savior. 
I have sinned. I've done my own thing. Or maybe it's a recommitment for some of you. You've been far from God. You go, you know what? I'm so glad I came this Christmas Eve weekend. I need to draw close to God again. You need to know that God is for you and not against you. Come home. Come to what you know is right and true. But you can say this with me, with every head bowed. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. I do believe he's the son of God. And Jesus came and lived on this earth and then he died on a cross for my sins, for my debt that I can't pay. So Jesus, right now, the best I know how, I accept you as my savior and my Lord. I want a personal relationship with you. Give me a new start. Give me power to live a new life. I turn away from the old and I turn towards the new. Jesus, from this day forward, I want to follow you. Amen. Amen. That's where it starts. That's the start of relationship. And some of you, maybe for the first time on all of our campuses, everyone have this card. Everyone pull out this little card real quick. It just states that today I accepted Jesus into my life. And you can print your name and your phone number. Nothing weird is going to happen to you. We're not sending people white robe and flowers that come to your house. We just want to help you. In fact, we have a book called Following Jesus we'd love to give you. We want to help you take the next steps. And if you would fill that out, and as you leave, on all of our campuses, there's going to be people with baskets holding up a card like this. You just give them that card and take that first step in your journey with him. Amen? You know, the second thing we want to do, and I love this part of the lighting of the candle on all of our campuses. The campus pastor is going to come up in a moment. But when I think about lighting of a candle, it's not just something we do out of tradition. It's something very symbolic when you think about it, when you light a candle. To me, when you light this candle, you're saying, as a believer, I'm a light to the world. I want to be a shining light that points people to Jesus, not points them at their sin or points towards condemnation. I want to point them to Jesus. I think about when you light that candle for some, it's a, it's, you're, you're acknowledging salvation for the very first time. You're going, man, this is it. Uh, this is the beginning of my life. For some, as we light this candle, you're symbolizing I'm returning to Jesus. For others, what you're saying is I want my light to shine brighter for Jesus in 2022. I want to be a greater witness and light for Jesus Christ. For others, it may be God, I want to renew and reignite my passion for you. It's waned a little bit. God, I, I, I want to ignite a fire that I once had with you. I believe God honors those kind of prayers as we light these candles. So as we sing this song, I want the campus pastors to come forward. And we're going to sing this song together. And have a lighting of the candles. And whatever reason you're lighting your candle... We'll lie to everyone stand with us as we sing this song.